0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Tuesday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a couple things to talk about before we get to the meat of our episode. We had the Browns kicking yesterday off with the 22nd annual Foundation Golf Tournament. They do this, like we said, pretty annually for 22 years. The the meaning of it has changed, but, uh, you know, it's always kind of been built around helping the community. It was presented by Key Private Bank, University Hospitals, Direct Travel, so the goal is to raise money and awareness to benefit the Browns Foundation, stay in the game, keep learning, everyday network, which is a statewide initiative designed to promote the importance of school attendance and put an end to chronic absenteeism. So the Browns are out there. They did have practice earlier in the day. So a lot of fun clips out there. If you did uh, get a chance to go look at some of the golf swings, you're reminded that these guys are definitely football players. But uh, quotes have stood out to me, uh, again, that they had uh, they had a session, a practice session earlier in the day. Kevin Stefanski continues to talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had a real nice play today. He said, really, since we got him, as you guys know, we've talked about how dependable he is. He does what he's supposed to do. He's where he's supposed to be. I see his games growing. I think his body control, catching the ball, contested catches, never been tough for him. That's just one of the traits he has. But in and out of breaks, some of the things we're asking him to do are maybe a little bit different than he's done in the past. He's done a great job. I think the quarterbacks like throwing to him. And remember, it's a whole new quarterback group. So that's important as well. You know, he's talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones made his, his own quotes at the at the outing. He said, I just want to keep moving forward. Made a couple plays today. Keep learning from previous mistakes. Take it day by day. Excited for this year. Excited for what's to come. He talked about building that rapport with his quarterbacks, how important that is. Very important. I believe it's a big step for us. That's why we're here now, really working hard day in and day out to get to know each other. He said, I always used to look up to Odell and Jarvis actually be around them, get to know them as people outside of what I heard from them and outside of what I heard from the media say it did a lot for me, especially as a young player, just being able to have some someone that I can learn from, ask questions to, you know, some people that have been here for the league for a long time. That was just a blessing. He turned to Amari Cooper, too. He said he's very smart. Talking about Cooper, he's a technician. He's been killing the league for a long time. I can see why. Sorry, and I can see why he's been killing the league for a long time. It's pretty obvious Cooper is one of the best route technicians in the NFL, uh, Kevin Stefanski also talked about Baker Mayfield. He didn't give anything away. He said um, that they wouldn't discuss the team's plans for Mayfield for the three-day minicamp next week. If you know, the 49ers have given um, Jimmy Garoppolo as he seeks a trade and recovers from his injury. They gave him a uh, an excused absence uh, for, for mandatory minicamp. We have not heard that from the Browns uh, as they, you know, try to pursue whether they're going to trade him, move on from him. As we sit here, if he misses it and he's not excused, he is subject to fines. We'll see what that ultimately shakes out to. Greg Newsome talked on the Varsity House podcast last year about that relationship between Mayfield and Beckham and how it was just off. And he uh, left some more comments on Monday. He said, it was just a little bit of a distraction, but those off the field matters have nothing to do with us. We have to find a way to do our job. And I don't think it really affected too much because at the end of the day you wouldn't be able to know that there was anything wrong within our locker room. We all gelled. We're all still perfectly fine with each other. Newsom said, I believe they're still friends. Obviously, it didn't work out on the field how we like it to be, but that's how life is. Everyone's had friends where they don't agree on certain things, and that doesn't separate their friends or anything. They just didn't click the best on the field. Stefanski also talked about the team's change of scenery in the final two practices of the offseason program. So they'll head to the Pro Football Hall of Fame on June 15th for the second day of minicamp. Team will visit the Hall of Fame, have a quick practice that's closed to the public. Stefanski noted, it's so vitally important that we understand what's come before us. The players, the coaches, the great teams that have come before us. And we're so fortunate to have the Hall of Fame right down the road from us. Minicamp will conclude June 16th with a practice at First Energy Stadium. I want to get all of our players working in the stadium. I want to get our young kicker working in the stadium. In the offseason, I think it's a good spot to end camp. And obviously he's talking about Cade York there getting some kicks in. Also, from a communication standpoint, Stefanski said, we can work together as coaches, split the team up, and put ourselves through some situational football stuff. So he talked about Dearness Johnson, too, and the $900,000 guarantee. He said he's a very dependable player. He's going to give you everything he has. He's a great teammate. The guys really want to fight for him when he's back there because he, he does everything that's asked of him, whether it's special teams, third down, running back, you name it. He said those types of things are really good problems to have with all these running backs. Too many running backs, good thing. That's a good problem. We want to have good players. If we have a bunch of good players at that position, that's okay. Some other little nuggets that came out of uh, media sessions. There was a miscommunication that left many of the defensive backs out of the defense's trip to South Beach last week, planned by Miles Garrett. Newsom said some of the secondary plans to schedule its own excursion to Bond. He said, I feel like we're all brothers. That's something that we want to do. Adding a destination not yet confirmed, but they're going to get together, those defensive backs. Jack Conklin was at the golf outing with a sleeve on his right leg. Continues to rehab following surgery. That torn patellar tendon suffered way back on November 28th. He has yet to practice. It's good to see him out moving around, though. Stefanski said he's doing a nice job. He's looking really strong in the weight room. He's doing a nice job in the meeting room. So we would say he's right on schedule. The hope is that he's ready come early September. And, uh, yeah, go check out those golf swings. Pretty terrible golf swings as Stefanski noticed that his, noted his golf game is BAD bad. He said, I don't play. I'm working too hard to Get out and golf. You wouldn't want your coach to be a great golfer, to be honest, because that's obviously spent time spent away from what he should be focusing on. So the worse your head coach is at golfing, probably the better he is as a coach. And I still I, st- I watched Stefanski. His swing's not terrible. He's just a natural athlete. But anyway, that's all today. Uh, it was really good to hear from Stefanski. Good to hear from or sorry, see some of the players out there on the course. The cause was great, and yeah, that's about all I have. I am going to shut up. We had a Monday show. And again, I like to do this to get some good perspectives outside of just my own. We had a Monday OBR Twitch show, which had Ian McBride, Michael Keefe, and it had um, Andrew Spade all were on and answered questions and talked about pertinent topics. So going to share that with you. It's about the next 45 minutes or so. Hopefully you enjoy it. The guys do a great job. Let's get over to that OBR Twitch replay right now.
2: Hello,
3: everybody, and welcome to the uh, OBR Browns uh, on Twitch. We are going to be talking about a couple of things today. My name is Ian McBride. Back after Memorial Day off, which was uh, which was absolutely lovely. Uh, weather has been great. It has been awesome. But I am back here today to talk about the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to be joined by Michael Keith.
4: Mike, how are you doing? What's going on, Ian? Life is good, man. It is uh, another night in a hotel room for me. In the D.C. area? Not in a car this time? Not in a car this time. I have upgraded. I have yes. an actual chair and four walls and a seat. And this is great. And I've got, got a little bourbon. There you tonight. go. That's chair bourbon. We have a little
3: bourbon. Those are really the only two things you, you actually need. We're also joined by Andrew Spade. Andrew, how are you doing?
2: I'm well, fellas. How are you? Doing Everybody's good. good. Okay. There you go. Yep. It's a, it's a beautiful Monday here in Wisconsin as well. So we've got most of the eastern half of the United States covered, I think.
3: Yeah, it's a, be- it's a beautiful Monday in Cleveland uh, for about the next ten minutes, and then it's supposed to start raining because <laughs> it does not look good out there. Uh, so I'm glad I'm in here. And if uh, if uh, I manage to disappear at some point, you can. It's it's because the power went out. I assume we're going to get some storms tonight. But then things uh, go off the rails. Then we go crazy. So if you're then, in the comments, absolutely, we go crazy. I if mean, this disappears. thing this thing keeps going. It's just going to black out my screen. You guys, you guys get to flounder around. <laughs> you out. heard it. So we that. are
4: we are going to black out. Out if he disappears we and lose you. it
3: uh, so let's talk about what would have been the big news last week, but we didn't really have too much, too many shows to talk about it because of again Memorial Day, the long weekend, and that was David Njoku. David Njoku getting his contract. Uh, he got four years, fourteen point two AAV. Uh, that last year is is most likely not going to happen. Will be either restructured or he'll be let go. So it's closer to a three year deal. Um, and then when you count that one year is that franchise tag that uh, they had already signed him to, it was basically a two year extension uh, for around fourteen. 15 million a year let's talk about that sort of in relation to some of the other uh tight ends that have recently got paid i'm just going to go down the list here cj uzoma was the other one uh in this um free agent cycle that got paid. He got three years, 8 million. And you can see he was a little bit worse than David Njoku. Mike Gesicki and Dalton Schultz both also got franchised, but have not signed contracts yet. So we don't know what their contract's going to be like. So we can't really compare them. David Njoku. Uh, if we go back to last year during the season, Dallas Goddard got a very similar deal money-wise to David Njoku. Uh, and this is maybe where I think a lot of people are a bit confused about the Njoku deal is Dallas Goddard is is a much better player, at least, or has been a much better player than David Njoku, got similar money. And then you look, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry got a little bit less last year uh, for similar quality players as David Njoku. So uh, your thoughts, you know, compare David Njoku to some of the other tight ends. Do you think this is a fair deal? What do you want to see out of David Njoku for him to be worth this money?
2: Uh, I mean, if he plays like he has the last few years, then they overpaid. So, you know, the hope is obviously that they're paying for a jump in production. Um, if he produces like, you know, (laughs) I mean, if he produces like a number one tight end, that's going to get the target share that he's going to get should produce, which is to say 800 yards and say eight touchdowns, six, eight touchdowns, then it's a, then it's a value signing. But, um, there's projection here and that means that it represents more risk than if you had seen him do it, you know, even for one season at this point.
4: Yeah, I think I get what they're doing. You know, I, I think if you look at it based on past performance, you look at that and you go, "Wait a minute,
2: mm-hmm.
4: uh, I don't, I don't love this because David Njoku has always been that guy. First round draft pick has always been that guy that we've we've hyped up. Like this is he's he could be the most athletic tight end in all of football, uh, but the production, whether it was early early specifically in his career with the drops." Or whether it's been injuries, or whether it's been kind of getting lost in the shuffle with Harrison Bryant and Austin Hooper, who's no longer around. Uh, what I do think is, I I think they all saw what's going to happen with with what's going to happen with contracts for tight ends. Yeah, tight end contracts are going to do the same thing that wide receiver contracts did. They are going to explode. And so, I will tell you this: I think in three years, even if David Njoku doesn't perform like a Pro Bowl caliber top level tight end with the money you're going to start seeing these tight ends starting to get after this year and potentially next year and the year after. I still don't think we're going to look back on this deal and think, oh, they're way overpaid for Njoku. I think, I think they were just trying to get ahead of that.
3: Yeah. I think one of the interesting things is, is talking about how the cap uh, is is projected to go up. And, and really when you look at the Browns, they've kind of extended everybody that is, it it, it needs an extension. Um, You know, the the next big names are like Greedy Williams uh, next year, Jedrick Wills, two years from now. Um, So I think a, a decent amount of this, a decent amount of why they wanted to get David Njoku under contract now, rather than let him play out the franchise tag, is the expectation that this cap boom is going to make these contracts a lot less affordable. I mean, and you're also looking, you know, Andrew Barry did this with Denzel Ward where he signed that deal And then a couple of days later, Jair Alexander got more money. You know, Andrew Barry knows Dalton Schultz, Mike Kosicki are both right now lobbying their teams for an extension. And waiting until they they get an extension means you're probably going to have to pay, pay Njoku a little bit more than them. I think that was a big part of why
4: they wanted to get David Njoku under contract. I think it's a really interesting opportunity for Njoku, to be honest. I think obviously they had penciled in Austin Hooper as the starter since he signed here, right? And so that's gone. And now you've got what I think is a really nice complementary two tight ends that you're going to play the majority of the time in Harrison Bryant and David Njoku. And and Bryant, I think it's really – I think Bryant's going to be a guy that really benefits from Hooper being gone because I think Bryant's going to maybe fill in a little bit more of that possession-type tight end guy. But I also think it's just putting Hooper on the field – or I'm sorry, it's putting Njoku on the field more – and I think that's what he has needed more than anything is just be on the field more and let that guy. We we have talked so much and we have dissected the wide receiver room and what that's going to look like. But a David Njoku that hits the potential that he has does a lot to fix yeah. the wide receiver room Yep, uh, and, and kind of everything else. So, so I think just seeing him out there
2: more is going to be really nice. Yeah. To, to your point, Mike, I think, you know, we kind of wondered after the Watson trade, okay, they've got Hooper, who's the next guy? Who's the number two target? And I think this contract makes it clear that they see Nojoku as that second target. And so, you know, whether or not you agree with that and, and how, you know, how he lives up to that expectation is the question, but he's, he's very clearly now the number two target in their offense, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he gets used, and uh, I think a lot of it was sort of how the offense was running and the quarterback struggles last year definitely impacted David Njoku, and uh, that's going to bring us to our next topic, uh, which is obviously something we don't want to talk about, but we're going to talk about the quarterback position. Um, Deshaun Watson, obviously, news keeps coming out, uh, and we're not gonna we're not gonna speculate on suspension length or anything like that. But what we can talk about is uh, potential moves by the Browns. Uh, should a suspension come down? Uh, and that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit today. Uh, so I think there's the, the impression that Jacoby Brissett uh, were the Browns to say, get an eight game suspension. Uh, they'd be OK with running with Brissett any longer than that. Uh, I think you start talking about the Browns looking for a quarterback again. I wanted to float some names to you guys. So I'm going to give you guys these four names mm. You can go off the board. You're not allowed to say mm. all of them are bad. You are not allowed <laughs> to say that because it's sort of as a given at this point in the offseason that you're not going to find amazing quarterback options. Flaker (laughs) Hayfield. (laughs) But I am going to give you guys four names, uh, people who – I know one of them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes you do <laughs> uh, you you, uh, you absolutely do i'm using four four names you can take one of them or go off the board uh two of them actually have playoff starting experience which is taylor heineke and colin kaepernick those are two names that i think are, are going to be uh talked about should we see more than eight games come down uh next one is jordan love who is one i think andrew spade is referencing mm-hmm. there I, I i found the table a little bit for jordan love i think
2: uh, i think it he loves love he loves yeah. love
3: uh, and the last one is Gardner Minshew. So these are uh, those are the four names that I, I took a look, you know, around the quarterback, yeah. uh, around the NFL. These are your backups. who don't really yeah. you know, teams maybe don't value them, but have some starting potential out of those four guys or go off the board. Which one would you like to see the Browns pick up in the event of, say, your long suspension?
2: I'm going to defer to you, Andrew, because you. Oh, got OK, thanks. The thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh... Uh- I, I hate all of those options and, uh, um, you are not allowed to say that, I, right. I, that's right. You said that, you said that already. Okay. I'll go off the board then. And I'll say that in the, in the event that, okay. So here's, here's my scenario. I'm going to discuss the NFL suspends Deshaun Watson for a year next week. Okay. That gives the Browns and Baker Mayfield six weeks to no. get back together before training camp. I'm not Mike. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not, I don't think that there's a five percent chance that it happens. <laughs> so I didn't but, even
4: mean to make that audible. No, it I, and that's, no, I know that it
2: I know how stupid it sounds. I'm not one of these people that's pretending like it makes the but but if 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 they come to Baker and they say you you will start 17 games this year and then be a free agent and, and you're gonna get nineteen million dollars for your trouble, I, I know how how charred the bridge is at this point. But there, there, I, I, there are in the NFL every year. There are things that we think we will never see happen, yeah. and then they happen. That's all I'm saying. So if I, if those are my options, I, I'm either playing Jacoby Brissett because I don't think he's bad. By the way, I, I'm I'm fine with I, honestly. If Watson's suspended for the season, the thing that I would do if I was in the GM chair, so to speak, I would start Brissett and and Josh Dobbs as a fine backup. That's what well, I would do.
3: That's that's that was sort of where a question I want to ask. We'll go to Mike in in just a second, but that's that's where sort of this came from. Is I, I would disagree with that second part. Is that okay. I don't I don't know that Josh Dobbs has done anything in the NFL. You're talking more about the backup position. That, yeah, that suggests
4: okay. that yeah. he is going to be a quality backup. Yeah, but guys, um, but guys, listen. When it comes to the backup quarterback, I said this last year when Baker was hurt. If you're in ninety-five percent. 98% of NFL teams, if you are sitting there talking about a backup quarterback for an extended period of time for the year, your year is lost. So that's if whether Josh Dobbs is a good backup or not, whatever. Right. It, it, we'll you're we'll all talk game. about Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl. He was better than the starter, anyways. But like, that's not how it normally goes. Normally, if you're on your backup for the entire year, Let's well, move this, on. And this,
2: this would be their third-string quarterback, right? So, right, it's double backup. So everything you said is twice as true. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think the first, the foundational statement is if Watts, Watson is suspended for the season, the Browns have a very, very slim chance to make the playoffs in okay. the AFC, that we know is loaded from top to bottom. Brissett is probably the 11th or off the top of my head, the 11th or 12th best starting quarterback in the in the conference. So. Uh, yeah, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, um, and so then the question is, do you try and you know uh, harness the, the the lightning that is Baker Mayfield, or do? And I'm not saying that again. I'm not saying they will or that they should, but but I would rather if the choices are that or trading for Gardner Minshew, I'm gonna I would at least sit down and talk to him. What's the harm in at least asking him? All right, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw mine out there. Because if Andrew,
4: and I, I love you, Andrew, but if you're allowed to come out and say something that ridiculous <laughs> that I'm throwing one out to, they trade Baker Mayfield for Tom Brady, boom, let's go win a Super Bowl.
2: Because okay. that's
4: about as ridiculous. You know what, Mike? I like your idea better. <laughs> that's not <sound> good. <laughs> uh, let's do that. No, I, I, think, I think we're all, any any level-headed, logical human being in this situation is probably, and, and who, who knows the game of football is probably going to say the same thing. You go into it with Jacoby Brissett, but you didn't give us that option, Ian. And so, and I don't have anybody and out we can, there. And we can,
3: when we refer to this, we can talk about this as not as replacing Jacoby Brissett because, regardless of what happens, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, Jacoby Brissett is almost certainly starting week. Correct. This is, this is again more talking about mm-hmm. you're going into the season with Jacoby Brissett as your only quarterback. You're a coach that really wants to make the playoffs because you're not necessarily on the hot seat. But should you miss the playoffs again, you're kind of have that problem this is the year before all of the contracts start going on the board and start spiking. Yeah. You really want to be good this year. So as annoying as it is to say, you know, obviously you if you're playing your backup, you're not going to win. That can't be their attitude. Their attitude has to be, let's get the best possible team yeah. on the
4: field. And well, I will,
3: that it's, that doesn't, in my opinion, that doesn't include Josh Hobbs in any way.
4: No. So here's what I'll say. Uh, if we go to, Hey, we're going to go a different route. I have advocated for years for Colin Kaepernick, but at this point for me, it's been too many years. It's been way <laughs> too many years. I think people forget how good he was. He had a really, a stretch of time as a quarterback in this league where he was really good. now people talk about him like he wasn't. He was really, really good yeah, when for he, he was, several years. He was uh, up there
3: with uh, Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck. I think they he he was the year before, but he started, started the same year that they were rookies yeah. and they were sort of grouped together as those three
4: he went and to the he, super bowl and he was yeah. a big he was a big reason that he that they went to the super bowl but it's been too many years for me to be comfortable with that uh i don't even remember who else you said you said jordan love. <laughs> like, definitely said three. jordan love Get rid definitely of Jordan Love. Jordan. and who was the fourth one uh heineke. taylor heineke was up there and then there was another one but uh, uh minshu gardner Minshew. Uh, yeah i don't want that i don't want yeah. or, or you heineke can send or, you know way, way too much there. over to the 49ers for jimmy Yeah, i don't want that either I would tell you of those four, I'd probably be most interested by Heineke. Weirdly, I don't think yeah. he's really all that good, but I've seen you've seen that kind of that dog in him—that guy that'll go out and just do anything it takes to win games—and he's won games, uh, and he's and he's done it in postseason. And uh, so, I would probably take him of that group of four. But the first name that came into my head is the one that got popped up in the comments there. Which is, <laughs> if if that's the case, and I got to pick some, we are going a different direction. I am I'm calling Fitz Magic, yeah, mm. and I'm saying I got a, what we hope to be a Super Bowl ready roster, yeah, that's just sitting here waiting for you to come play a full season. So why don't you come do this one more time? I don't even like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I and I don't like the Fitz Magic stuff. I think Ryan <laughs> Sp- oh. Ryan Fitzpatrick is terrible, but. I think he can give you enough. I don't know. I think he can give you enough to where you might have, it might be fun. I guess real, I don't think I yeah, don't it's think a real love hate options. relationship
2: for you. Yeah. Well, I
4: don't think any of these options are good. I just think he provides the most fun. He's yeah, going to give you, that's fair. He's going to give you eight really fun, ga- probably really good games, eight good games. Mm-hmm. and He's going to give you nine of the worst games you've ever seen in your whole life, but it'll be a fun season. Yeah. So that's probably okay. where
2: I'm going. So Ian, I, I think maybe I, I may have, Tuned out at the the question. I I was answering the whole Baker Mayfield is the idea that we're trying to find somebody else to start, right? So if, if yep. we're assuming Brissett is the starter, I think the one thing that we have to pay attention to is that the Browns have since uh, this front office has been here, they have harmonized their their starter and backup, right? So yeah. Case Keenum is a lesser version of Baker Mayfield. Jacoby Brissett is a lesser version of Deshaun Watson, and I think Josh Dobbs is a lesser lesser version of Jacoby Brissett. So. I think t- to Mike's point, Taylor Heineke of those players is probably the one that has the most escapability, make a play on third down other than Colin Kaepernick, who I think is the question mark there is is the time away from the game. But so, yeah, I think off of, of those names and considering he's a free agent versus giving up probably a fairly significant asset for Jordan Love, I think I agree with Mike actually that. It's, it's either Taylor Heineke or Baker Mayfield, which is what Mike was saying.
4: Oh, yes. yeah. And That's I think- almost exactly word for word what I said. <laughs> I, I will say this, and just to go back to the Baker thing for one second, because uh, you and, – and, Andrew, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. You said yeah. it was not going to happen. 100%. But, I, but I, think, I think Baker would be salivating for it. I think I Baker agree. would do it tomorrow. I think right. if they went to – him, if that suspension came down, it's a year, and the mm-hmm. Browns went to him and said, hey, all right, you're going to play for us for a year, he would do it tomorrow. But I think the Browns learned something about Baker Mayfield through all the stuff that has come out mm-hmm. since last year mm-hmm. when we all kind of wanted to believe one way, mm-hmm. but then we found out this off season that maybe we should have been believing a little bit the other way. Uh, I think Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefano, I think they all saw it, and they don't want him anywhere near it. I agree yeah. with that.
3: And I think, I think it's the roster as well. I think uh, at this point you've kind yeah. of – the team has has moved on from Baker Mayfield and kind of – reverting back to that especially for the uh the people on offense who came back would be a little bit uh hard to do i think it would be just not not something that i think anybody would really want to go through it it's it's a tough it's a tough question it's a tough situation but it's one i think we will have to sort of face down as we move forward um because as uh, the one thing we know about the nfl is the nfl likes the nfl uh and they are going to do whatever they can to kind of save public face, uh, as far as this Deshaun Watson stuff. So the more negative stuff that comes out and that's the reason it's coming out, pressure gets put on the NFL to, to make a, a splashy move. So we will see what comes down And This will probably be a conversation we have, uh, in the future. Should that, uh, should that suspension come down another piece of news that kind of came out from, um, the past few days is one that sort of raises a couple of questions and that is the, uh, the contract signed by Dearness Johnson—he uh, signed for one year, two point five million. He had about a million of that guaranteed. Uh, and I think the signing of that now brings to the question uh, a couple of things that maybe people didn't want to talk about. Uh, and I'll—I'll I'll just throw these out there, and, and you guys can give your opinion on them. Uh, the first is maybe Kareem Hunt is—is is traded before opening day, and the second is maybe Demetrius Felton does not make this roster. Uh, and those are two things that I think you know. Talk to me a week ago. I didn't think either one of those was possible. So let's go to Mike first. Uh, your thoughts on what the, the uh, Dearness Johnson signing means.
4: I still don't think either one of those is possible. I think I think uh, you're running back room. And I know, uh, guys, uh, and I want to say this to everybody that watches this and everybody that listens to this. Things that get said in press conferences are just said mm-hmm. to answer a question in a press conference. But just mm-hmm. like you can change your mind about where you want to go to dinner tomorrow – these people can change their mind about how they're going to build this team, and I think what you have is you've got two it's a dream situation with your top two running backs, Kareem Hunt, and this team knows how valuable Kareem Hunt is when he's healthy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Nick Chubb. And then you've got this, then you've got this Dearness Johnson guy that has just been an absolute dog for this team. That is just anytime they have called on him, there's never been a time that I can remember where they have put Dearness Johnson in a game. And you've watched him and gone, oh, he's, he doesn't look all that good. Yeah. Literally, every time, De- yeah. every time they put De'Amos yeah. De- Johnson in the game, he looks good. So I think your running back room is those three guys. That's it. There's your running backs. Demetric Felton didn't show us a lot. He didn't have a lot of opportunities. But he certainly didn't show us a lot from the running back position, specifically if you need a guy that you're going to turn around and give the ball to. Mm-hmm. But he did show us a few things here or there in his ability to be a pass catcher, which is a valuable thing that you can line him up in the backfield. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up all over the place. And so I'm not sold on Demetric Felton. He was a pick in, at near the end of the draft for a reason. And so it would not surprise me to see Demetric Felton not make the team, but I do think he will. And I think it'll just be as like a, not as a wildcat role in, this, in terms of like that, scheme of offense, but kind of an all over the place, jack of all trades kind of guy. And I think they're going to roll with that because again, your wide receiver room is not settled. Mm -hmm. And so to have a guy like that in there, I think is helpful.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about this in the the OBR Slack a little bit and uh, Anthony Reinhart has been putting together a database of the initial 53 man rosters over the past, I, I think since 2014, maybe. And so he's got like a pretty nice chunk of data to say like how how the teams construct their rosters. And I think he said that the average number of running backs, so that's halfbacks and fullbacks on a roster yeah. at the beginning of the year is like 4.3, 4.4. It's off the top of my head from a few days ago. But uh, I think the point being that if they kept Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, uh, Jerome Ford, and Felton, it wouldn't be so far out of the realm of right. possibility, especially yeah. when you're talking about right now, there's two sure thing, tight ends on the roster. So it it feels like right now that mostly would be keeping three tight ends. And and as we mentioned, uh, Felton has uh, a wide receiver flexibility. So, you know, four true tailbacks in this offense, I I don't have a problem with that at all, frankly, Um, especially if they're not keeping a fullback and only keeping three tight ends.
3: Yeah. And one thing I do want to bring up is we, we talk about this, uh, in terms of, you know, sort of definitive moves. Uh, one thing to note is, uh, that is always sort of on the table, but not officially on the table is the Curtis Weaver situation where, you know, they roll an ankle in, uh, yeah. In training camp, and they get put on IR for the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's entirely possible you see something like that happen with say, Jerome Ford. Should he has some sort of injury in training camp, they sort of redshirt him uh, yeah. and move the decision
4: to next year. But- I, I think Ian, I think I think it's it's an interesting thing though because you've got those uh, to me, Andrew. You listed the four guys that I think of as running backs. Yeah, and Demetrius not in that group per se.
2: Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I think
4: to, I think to me, the interesting thing that will come out, it, there's going to be some battles in training camp for sure. And I, I think, I think an interesting thing and they brought him in for a reason, but if he doesn't perform in other ways, I wouldn't be surprised to see the team stick with a guy like Demetric Felton. I'd watch like Jakeem grant versus Demetric Felton. Does Jakeem do enough outside of just being a punt returner yeah. to warrant him getting out on the field on with the offense yeah. in that wide receiver room or do they feel like Demetric Felton can take that role, uh, and and is he more versatile? So there will be, I think there will be some some camp battles that maybe aren't necessarily you wouldn't put Demetric Felton and Jaquim Grant up against each other, but I think maybe that will kind of play out that way uh, if if one of them doesn't perform real well at camp.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I I, I think you know Ernest Johnson is a nice player. Jerome Ford's a rookie. Demetrik Felton, as you rightly said, Mike, did not show a ton last year. You know, you kind of expected his role to expand as the season went on, and it, it didn't really. You know, he had that great screen touchdown against the Texans, and then it was kind of like, oh. Hmm. They
4: you know, showed he, back up against Cincinnati the last oh, Yeah,
2: and it was like there, is. I, there were some other spots where I felt like they could have used him, and he wasn't there. And that typically tells you that, he, you know, he's maybe just not got his arms around things the way that you want him to. And so, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lose a second sleep if Johnson or, you know, if Ford goes on IR or Felton gets cut. I mean, these guys are – they're players, but, they, you know, these guys are not full-time NFL starters. So, you know, the the, the Browns did the right thing, I think, by keeping Johnson around and, and fixing his, you know, his cap number this year. And, you know, uh, they they have depth at running back, and they're going to run the hell out of the ball like they do every year. I, but I feel like they're doing what I would
4: want to be doing, but it's 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 like working in their favor, and it's surprising. But, like, it's almost like you see Dearness Johnson being that next Kareem Hunt in the offense. But they're like, yeah, but if we can keep Kareem for another year, Mm -hmm. we don't want to not do that. And it's just working out because Dearness is just, yeah, I'll take a one-year deal. And, you know, Kareem's, you know what I mean? It's like it's working out in their favor because I think ultimately that's what they view Dearness Johnson as is is he's that one-two punch with Nick Chubb. When Kareem Hunt is no longer feasible to stay here. So it'll be interesting.
3: Yeah, and it, well, I think I think that's what Ford is sort of insurance for that, because I, I do agree, I think that's the plan, but there's also the problem that maybe Dearness Johnson wants a little bit too much money to play that role next year because Dearness Johnson is is gonna be a free agent next year. He was a free agent this year as well, so it may not as as much as they've they've loved having the Chubb and Hunt. Uh, duo this is an analytically inclined front office that likely will not want to overpay for the number two running back uh once this hunt situation sort of runs yeah. its course um a couple of things i wanted to uh shout out to former browns uh hanging it up uh romeo cronell after 50 years of coaching it Insane. was oh my goodness uh a ton of respect for him um, based on what he did in Kansas city. Uh, if you remember that tragic situation, we won't go in too much, but led that team through it. Uh, really a great guy. Wish he was a better head coach here in Cleveland. Obviously he wasn't the best, but uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think I've ever seen a negative thing said about Romeo Cornell. Um, hey, he had
4: the best record in Cleveland yeah. Brown, new Cleveland Browns history until two years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, so. he gets credit for that. So he, he has, gotten a, a well-earned
3: retirement, and then Alex Mack hanging it up, uh, someone who I think we wish the Browns would have stuck around a little bit more, but the Browns maybe played a, uh, played it a little bit uh, wrong with the transition tag that ended up he he had a, basically a one-year opt-out on the offer sheet they got, and then he ended up getting uh, paid in uh, Atlanta. So um wish he would have been a Brown for longer, but uh, he was great, great in his time here and great afterwards. So Alex Mack hanging it up as well. Uh, next question, this is going to be, um, something we talked about. I think, uh, uh, I think it, we're actually gonna have an article coming out about, uh, this soon. So if you want to hear, uh, everybody's opinion on it, keep your, keep your eyes on the OBR.com. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to pose it, pose it to you guys right now, and then I'm going to offer a bit so you guys can, can bring up the relevant information. The question is, who is the first Andrew Berry draft pick that is going to be cut? That is, and, and this, and this can be, if you say like multiple choose the one that you think is more likely. And the reason I ask this uh, is because you go back and look at that 2020 draft class from Andrew Barry and every single pick except for Harrison Bryant is projected as a starter this year. You got Jedrick Wills, uh, Grant Delpit, Jordan Elliott was playing with the first team, uh, during OTAs, Jacob Phillips was playing with the first team during OTAs. Nick Harris, first team during OTAs. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, projected number two wide receiver. Uh, considering we – we we're, it's crazy. We're three years in. Uh, obviously just had the third draft, so you say two drafts. Uh, and every single pick is still on the roster. Who do you think is the most likely out of these three drafts uh, to not be on the roster come uh,
4: come start of the season? We'll go to you first, Mike. Uh, I think we just talked about Demetric Felton. I think he might be the most likely. I'm, there might be other players, and and again, I don't think, I don't think uh, that that's the player that I think is the worst of the group. That's certainly not it. It's just a deep room that he's sitting in. Because uh, you would want to say, no offense to Ohio State fans, and again, I celebrated. I did a backflip when they picked Tommy Togi. But man, did he not make? Did he not make an, an impact at all last year? Uh, now that's, he's going to have to this year with the way they've got the defensive tackle set up. Uh, Tommy Togia is going to have to be a player that goes out there and make plays this year. So I don't think he, I don't think he gets cut. Uh, maybe you see, you know, I seen in the comments from Ty Sox, a guy like Deaton, uh, this year, but I, I doubt it. I doubt they're going to draft a guy and then cut him. Uh, so it could be a guy like Demetri Felton, but I, I don't know. I don't, it. I don't know that I can. Uh, put a finger on a guy this year and be like, well, you're going to see it this year. I don't, I tend to lean towards, you're probably not going to see it this year.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think they have enough room to keep all of them this one more year. And I think that the way that he's talked about, Andrew Barry has talked about the draft uh, repeatedly, you know, as a, uh, a, a way to stock the roster for four years, I think they understand the value of having players on rookie contracts. And so, the players that they're drafting they're expecting to be on the roster for their entire rookie contract so um i, I think a player would have to disappoint uh to to be cut before their that value has expired um but the two names that i would mention in in addition to the names that that mike mentioned uh, are tony fields and richard lecount yeah. both fifth rounders last year they were both inactive a lot last year yeah. and that's yeah. that's the reason that they come to mind um they need Both of those guys need to be able to contribute on special teams. And, you know, the Browns have talked a lot this offseason about special teams being an area of focus and improvement. If those guys can't contribute on special teams, which they weren't if they were inactive, then, you know, you can't be a fourth safety or a sixth linebacker in this league and, and just kind of be bad at special teams. That just, it, There's no room for you. Right. So th- those are guys that I don't think they're going to get cut in July, but at the end of August when waiver claims are going through, you know, do they find another special team safety to take LeCount's position? Do they find another linebacker to take Fields' position? I mean, they've got, still got Willie Harvey on the roster, who I think is a better special teams player and, and could push Fields off the roster earlier, you know, in the training camp process. So those would be the other two names that jump out to me.
4: I think I think those, uh, they're like the two names that I forgot about.
2: Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and
4: and so that explains it. Yeah. I, I, I will also, I'm also going to throw another name in. And... I think I think the two guys you listed could be in trouble this year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I'm going to throw one more name in there for next year. If he comes out and makes no impact in the game for the second year in a row, and that's the third round, third round wide receiver from last year, Anthony Schwartz. Yeah, I think he could be one of the first Andrew Berry players that doesn't that mm-hmm. doesn't make it through a camp because you can have all the speed you want. Uh, it isn't the speed that makes Tyreek Hill a special player. It's it's everything put together that makes Tyreek Hill a special player. And so how many times have we seen the Oakland Raiders take the fastest fastest wide receiver on the board, Darius Hayward Bay, that was never any good for any reason yeah. uh, he, or for any purpose. He was never serviceable, really, ever. And so uh, I think Anthony Schwartz is another guy that he's got to come out and, and play the game of football better than what he did last year. Or he could be one of the first names on this list. Maybe not the first, but one of them. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with one of the names. I'm gonna disagree with another, and I'm gonna give you a third. So I don't think Richard LeCount is, is gonna be, uh, is 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 gonna be cut. I think um, the moves that they've done at safety sort of suggest to me that they believe Richard LeCount is a reasonable depth piece. Um, because they haven't, they didn't really go out and look to replace Ronnie Harrison, Uh, and then they ended up bringing him back with basically, uh, you know, a one-year prove-it deal. Um, but he is he is the fourth safety uh, on the team right now. They really haven't, they didn't really aggressively look for a third safety. They they haven't aggressively looked for a fourth. I think they believe LeCount is is something for them.
4: They were excited. Uh, Remember, they were excited to get Richard LeCount. Remember, LeCount suffered a weird injury, the accident. Uh, he was a really good player. Uh, and and they were excited to get him. So I I, yeah. I mean, if he can show something in camp and he's 100 percent healthy and all that, uh, I think that would be really excited. I think LeCount, It's funny because he's a guy that you could see go, but he's also a guy you could see turn into like a really good player.
3: Yeah. Um, the other one I th- I'm going to say Tony Fields. I think that would be my pick. Uh, I don't think Tony Fields is going to make the roster simply because uh, the top four linebackers I think are set very much in stone. And then I think that last spot is going to be more of a special team spot. Um, So the linebackers, for those who don't know, Jacob Phillips projected to be the starter. Obviously, JOK, Anthony Walker, who they love uh, as a leader, Um, they just love, and he, as much as people didn't like it last year, uh, he had a very good year last year in terms of coverage, which is what they want out of linebacker. And then Sione Takitaki is a guy who basically does one thing, but he does that thing really, really well. And they don't mind here, you're going to go play 15 snaps a game, but you're going to be really good for those 15 snaps because you're going to be asked to be doing basically the same thing every time. Um, And so I think those four linebackers are 100% guaranteed to make the team. Uh, The other one I'm going to bring up is Michael Woods. Uh, Michael Woods, a six-round pick. Uh, The reason I say that is because I personally have a lot of respect for Jamarcus Bradley. And I think when you look at Michael Woods, he is going to have to beat uh, say Jamarcus Bradley, you know, Demetric Felton. I think maybe two out of those three end up making it because you've got uh Cooper, DPJ, Schwartz, uh, and Bell, and likely Grant, uh, as, as people who are going to make the roster. So I think you know, they they drafted him in the sixth round, so they obviously like his potential, but you know, they like Jamarcus Bradley too. And Jamarcus Bradley's been on the field in the NFL and proved he, be- he belongs. So, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see which one of those Weston is another guy that'll have to beat out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Michael Woods is able to kind of prove that very
4: early on in his career. This is it though. That's, that's where we're at. We we've been, we've gone guys for all the ruckus and the hubbubs around the Browns. That's where we're at. We're, we're at a situation now where we've got a team where finally after 20 freaking years, there's a roster that you will have, rookies that get drafted that are not guaranteed to make the team for 20 years we haven't been able for 20 years you'd be like why would you cut that guy we got nobody else let's hope let's hope he can do something to now it's yeah maybe maybe this guy gets drafted by the team in the sixth round and never sees the seventh round never sees the field that's what you want that's i mean not you'd love to hit on those late round players but you want to have a roster that's so deep that you just can't justify keeping a guy so that's, we're getting there. We're getting there guys.
2: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I think that the, there's, what's interesting to me about the, the, when you look at the names, there's a lot of guys that, I mean, I, I think the point about everybody from the 2020 draft starting is, you know, that's a good thing, but also like, I, I'm not sold on Jordan Elliott, you know, uh, um, I, and I mean, I think we like Harrison Bryant, but, you know, I, I mean, he's going to have to take a step up. So it, it's interesting that, that too, they, they have put an emphasis, as I said before, on drafting players and 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 having that cost control. It, this is the year where a lot of those guys from that 2020 draft really need to show up. It's their third year. They will be free agents after next season. So it's, it's kind of rubber meets the road time for a lot of those guys. And I agree with you in theory, Mike, it feels like there is a lot of talent, but I also feel like There are some guys that have been drafted in fairly high spots, the third round for Elliott and Schwartz, fourth round for Togei, that you want to see something from. And we haven't, you you know, all of those names are guys that we haven't seen much from. And so, uh, and, and, you know, as that continues, if that continues to happen, I should say, I think you start to have a little bit of, I mean, we all know the draft is a crapshoot, but you start to have a little bit of doubt about, you know, some of these guys. They're on the roster. Does that mean they're good? That's kind of my, my summary.
3: Yeah, and I think I think it was I, I was I was very much sort of in that same Jordan Elliott skeptical uh, position. And in, in, in a lot of ways, I still am. But um, I, I believe Fred Greitham reported that uh, on OTAs, Jordan Elliott was playing with the ones alongside Taven Bryan. I think that means something it doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to, you know, he doesn't even mean he's guaranteed to make the roster. But it does, you know, say in terms of how they rank, you know, Elliott, Togiai, uh Winfrey, and then you throw in Sheldon Day there um, that they out of those they are most comfortable with Jordan Elliott. Um, And we'll see how that changes throughout training camp because it's definitely going to (laughs) change. They're not even hitting each other right now. So uh, I don't know how much that really means, but it does mean uh, it's going to be something to watch as training camp goes along. Uh, So let's grab a question from ATI. Um, Your opinion on the Browns currently have some of the most cap space available. Uh, in terms of um, just this year because of how every contract has basically been structured to be ba- paying the minimum. David Njoku, Denzel Ward, Deshaun Watson are all making the minimum next year. Um, do you think it was a mistake to not go after someone like Akeem Hicks? This was a question from uh, ATI by Matt Van too who is, is just sort of confused why the Browns weren't in on this when there's such an obvious need um, obviously one year 10 million is a lot of money but the money's just sitting there you know they got to use it for something do you think it was a mistake to not go after akeem Hicks I'll start with you
4: Mike I talked about akeem Hicks a lot we've talked about this defensive tackle position a lot uh, i I think I, I guess what I would say is is two things anything anytime we have this conversation about a free agent that, sign somewhere else and then the question is always well, why didn't we sign him the first thing that we don't know is whether or not they did go after Akeem Hicks and we don't know what contract they offered him there's a really good chance the Browns did go after Akeem Hicks and Akeem Hicks said yeah but I'm gonna play there not everybody you go after signs with your team and so there's that uh what I've loved to see Akeem Hicks with uh, or or even you know there was the the Sue rumors. And I don't know where that all went, but you know what I mean? There's just, there's been a lot of rumors. Would I love to see a guy that I think is really good in between Clowney and Garrett with some of those young defensive tackles? Sure. Uh, do I think it's a mistake? They didn't bring him in? No, I don't. I don't think it's a mistake. I think they might've gone for him. He might've decided to go a different direction. They might not have gone for him. Whatever they decided though, it, 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 it was not bringing him in. And I, I don't think it's a huge mistake. There's, this isn't, it's not like re-signing Miles Garrett. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like signing a key player. It's a one-year deal for a veteran player. And could he have helped maybe if you wanted to come here? But I'm, I'm not real bummed about it. I'm, I don't lose any sleep over that.
2: Uh, well, I mean, look at the size of that bed. Of course you're not going to lose any sleep. Um <laughs> Yes, looks nice. It looks lovely, frankly. I mean, you're, you you know, I know you travel a lot for work, but it's a nice hotel room, Mike. I mean, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've I've worked hard on it. I've yeah. worked hard on it. Yeah. Uh I you know, I mean, there is the opportunity to strengthen the team for this year further by signing some of these street free agents that are still out there. Um, but you know, the 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 strategy they've pursued since Andrew Berry's been the GM is that they roll this cap space over. So, you know, they they have uh the most cash space but at the same time you know they're spending more cash they're on track to spend more cash than any team in the league by a significant margin this year and so um you know they're they're using last year's rollover to pay this year's bill and they're going to do the exact same thing with this you know flexibility for next year and so i think that that that's the can they're kicking um they're they've got some dead money in future years and obviously you know i'm not by any means an expert on this but my understanding is that they build this big cushion so that then they have in-season flexibility and whatever – every cent that they don't use, they will roll over because the Haslams are fine spending as much cash as they possibly can to try and make the team better.
4: Guys, shameless plug for the Garage
2: Beers podcast, but
4: we've had two people on that we've asked very similar questions. Uh, We had the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Yarmo Kekalainen, on. And uh, in our 100th episode, if you haven't checked it out, Joe Thomas – uh Austin Carr, Rick Nash. We asked Austin Carr about that because we were kind of in the, we were in like the, what are the Cavs going to do with the deadline and bringing people in and blah, blah, blah. And we asked both of those guys, we asked Yarmo how concerned do you have to be about just the, the the temperament of your locker room and the, and people fitting in and getting the right guys. And, and, and the, the answer that sticks out, we asked Austin Carr that. We asked Austin Carr, how quickly can somebody come in and ruin the chemistry of a locker room? And he, and he said, the first minute he said mm-hmm. the first minute if somebody walks into that room and they're and they're bad for the chemistry of the team it ruins the chemistry of the team minute number 1 and so that's the other thing that maybe doesn't come into play because we see these guys that are talented players and i'm not saying anybody has a personality this is not an Akeem hicks thing it's not an nadam kong Su thing it's not any of that it's just when you are the general manager of a team, you're not just out there looking for the best players and and money and value and all that. You're making sure that you don't ruin what you are building chemistry-wise inside a locker room. And so they think about that a lot. We were told that by Yarmo, and we got that great answer from Austin Carr. It gets thought about a lot in these situations.
3: All right, another shameless plug. I uh, will follow yours up. Uh, we have tomorrow, Grouch Beers as Aditi Kinkabwala, I believe.
4: Yeah, so make sure he's you- cracking some beers, talking some football with us. And listen, I need your help, by the way, in uh, specifically on my Twitter, because you know, Aditi covered the AFC North for the NFL network. Mm-hmm. I am inundated tonight with Steelers fans who are very butthurt. That Aditi is coming on to talk Browns on a Browns (laughs) podcast because they want her to be on like all Steelers podcast, even though she's been around Cleveland a lot. Uh, So like if you're on Twitter and you go to my page, Garage Beers Mike, and you see all the Steelers fans just getting after it, go ahead. Like, I give you permission. Get after it. You want people
2: arguing in your mentions.
4: Oh, they're – Well, I want Browns (laughs) You're going to do it anyway. No, no, no. What I want, Andrew, is I want Browns fans dominating Steelers fans in my mentions. Okay. Okay. All right. And they are real – I just wanted to clarify what the ask was they're real deep in their feelings in my mentions yeah, so good. if you want to get yeah. in there and <laughs> make right. them get even deeper into their feelings I yeah. won't hate you for just, it yeah, just go talk about Kenny Pickett's hand size <laughs> yes
3: you know, go, go, do, go yeah. get the picture from I think Always I, Sunny
4: where he's got the tiny
3: hands and he's like I had a lady getting like, behind
4: the bigger hands <laughs> I had a lady getting like emotional about Ben Roethlisberger and retirement and stuff and I, I want Browns fans in there being mean so go for it <laughs> <laughs> go for it I, I honestly can't get enough of Kenny Pickett hand
3: jokes. They're absolutely know. fantastic. No. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, one more plug. Andrew, you are going to be doing something this Thursday. We're going to start making doing this a, a weekly thing. Uh, let let everybody know about that.
2: Yeah, we're going to do a mailbag show. Me and Jake Burns are going to do a, a, a weekly mailbag show. We're going to take some questions from Ask the Insiders on the OBR, the premium forum, uh, where you can ask everybody that works for uh, the website a question. If you have a question, like the Akeem Hicks question or... Even something more esoteric, uh, somebody will eventually answer it for you, uh, and well, too. The, the answers are usually pretty comprehensive. Um, and so, we're going to take some of those questions. We'll take questions from uh, from people in the chat, and uh, you know, from Twitter, and just kind of chop it up on a few. You know, like what what are the, what are Browns fans wondering? That's what we're going to try and get to the bottom of. And so, you know, I I I don't know. I haven't talked to Jake about this, but from my perspective, uh, I don't. I wouldn't limit it to Browns questions. It can be whatever. You can ask me whatever you want let's go yeah
4: i'm gonna be asking you so many questions Andrew. i mean, look i got all the information
2: right here so all the, all yeah, you gotta do is turn the, around all the books yes yeah.
4: i believe i do have a book on that yeah
2: you want to know about stalingrad it's right over my left shoulder
4: grand master I, I can
2: i can read that it's yeah. I
3: like the big the big mm-hmm. yeah. all right uh so that's <laughs> gonna do it for us today uh, i'm hearing thunder outside which yeah, is perfect. uh which means i am uh, i am headed out before uh the power decides to go out here but thanks everybody for joining us we'll be back, be back tomorrow at 9 p.m with the garage beer podcast wednesday at 7 for obr weekly and then thursday at 7 for the mailbag show make sure you tune into all those check out the obr uh for articles coming up this week including uh the rest of the staff's take on that question of who the first uh andrew berry cut is going to be and uh that's about all i got thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time